Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's not Thanksgiving because I ate way too much yesterday. Um, and I'll talk about that in a second, but we'll start with something else. Russ, start with the show. Let me start with the NFL real quick. Um, not because of Thanksgiving games. We don't want to upset Kevin. We we know what happens with the Lions. Well, no, I, I actually I have to talk about that. Um, All right, go so, ahead. I'll let you do that first. Well, um, I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are uh, fantasy football players because most of us, you know, in, are in fantasy everything leagues. Um, but I have never seen anything like this before. And I've been playing fantasy sports for over 35 years. Uh, my football team uh, played against a team that had uh, four players playing in the two Thanksgiving Day games. And after those two games, I didn't have a single player in either of those games because I'm smart enough not to take a Detroit Lions player. Um, <laughs> but after those two games, I am trailing in fantasy football 119 to nothing. Because he had Deshaun Watson. He had um, Fuller. He had Gibson. He had Gibson. And, and he had um, uh, Cooper, Amani Cooper for Dallas. So 119 to zero is my deficit. I have never seen anything like that ever. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, I was watching the Lions game because that's, you know, part of the uh, tradition. We have two turkeys on on uh, Thanksgiving. We have the game, uh, and then we eat the uh, the bird that's uh, cooked. By the way, uh, we were just talking about uh, turkeys, and uh, I had mine. Uh, I didn't do it, but my son-in-law did, uh, you know, d- deep fried outside, dipped in, and it takes about 40 minutes. Uh, how, how was it? Uh, yeah, it, it was good. Um, you know, the the first believe it or not it was the late Bill Gadsby was the first uh, guy to ever mention that that the idea of deep frying a turkey he was doing this long ago and he always told me it was the best way to have it I had never done it until a couple uh, years ago um, but maybe the buildup was too much so it's good but you know I, I don't uh, get down and bow down to it uh, the way everybody else does like I mean it's it's good it's moist it's it's uh, you know, but uh, you know, I, the the traditional way is fine with me as well. If you want, if you want the amusing version of the deep fried turkey, go onto YouTube and just search deep, uh, yeah. deep oh, fried yeah. turkey explosion, where somebody put the frozen turkey in there right. and it blows yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I've seen that. And then the other issue, of course, is uh, in Detroit. Here, we're all waiting for the shoe to drop on Matt Patricia and Quinn, the right. general manager. Uh, um, and uh, I thought it was possible because it has happened before that, um, you know, a coach has been fired uh, right after a game, but it was Thanksgiving. And um, my son-in-law said, well, they'll, they'll probably let him enjoy his dinner uh, before uh, lowering the boom. But I, I can't imagine uh, that he's going to survive. Well, today, uh, in terms today, of turkey, I, I had Ezekiel Elliott yesterday, so I can I can very much feel your pain there. Yeah. Kevin. In the league I'm yeah. in first place in, I had Zeke. In the two leagues that I stink, one I had Stafford and one I had Deshaun Watson. So it was it was a clearly a mixed bag day for me. But Zeke was just 
horrific. Well, if he gets fired today, Kev, since it's Black Friday, it'd be like Black the Black Monday after the end of the regular season, so it would be appropriate. But I have to say this, just that, you know, and I wish Anthony was here because he could confirm this. I don't know if it's an Italian family thing or if it's just a family thing for Thanksgiving, but people make way too much food. That's Thanksgiving. Oh my oh, yeah. god! Yeah, my, you know, like, and I, you know, I, I, I treasure my niece and her hosting and taking on the uh, the, the uh, responsibilities of hosting Thanksgiving because we did it for years. But it was, you know, not only the traditional turkey and stuffing. But mashed potatoes and mashed sweet potatoes and vegetables and macaroni, mac and cheese. It was like, I mean, we didn't even not like a dent into the food that she had. And there were seven people there. Yeah, so that's, that's normal. But I, what I was going to say to finish up my point <laughs> um, is the NFL should not have this Ravens Steelers game on Sunday. They've got 12 guys out with COVID. Uh, even sources are telling Adam Schefter there's no way they could play. But the NFL, in all of its grace, and I'm and I'm saying that facetiously, hasn't said a word about it. I, I got to be honest. If they play this game, they should not make it eligible to be gambled on, because not only will you have RG three at starting a quarterback, but you're missing some not only some key players, but you're missing up to twelve players. Well, Vegas will just pull it off, Russ. They they may pull it off. My view on this, Russ, is I think eventually they're going to say they're going to try to play it on Tuesday, is what's what happened earlier this year, okay. and then we'll see if anybody's healthy enough to play. Because originally yesterday the announcement was they only had one new case, and they said it was a, a coach or a staff member, and then clearly the other news broke in terms of Lamar Jackson, and then obviously the downstream impacts of all of that of the other guys. There were four others well. I think there were four others this morning that I heard. Yep. So, And they can't even get into their facility until Monday at the earliest, which probably they can't even get into it on Monday now. So that essentially will go a whole week without practice. Like I just, I don't know how much more evidence a league needs to have to cancel a game, but we'll see. Well, this we better get used to it because you know we're going to see this in the uh, NHL. Uh, so. Two two quick things. One, Kev, I, I I saw the the Lions wearing their just full silver helmet. Yeah, is that something they do on every Thanksgiving? No. no. Okay. No, but they 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 wear it, uh, you know, sporadically, and you know we do see it. Um, I like that look. It's a cool look. look. Yeah, I it's do nice too. Look. I mean, yeah. the product on the field leaves a lot to be desired, but yeah, yeah. This is why Matt Patricia well, should have probably been fired. Well, I, tweeted, I, tweeted. I tweeted it gave us normalcy. We saw the Lions lose on Thanksgiving. Everything yeah. was normal. I like that. I, and, you know what? That makes sense. Uh, you know, I I I love to bring this statistic out because it really helps to bring home. Um, the misery of the Lions. And, you know, everybody talks about the, you know, they have the streaks with uh, the Maple Leafs at 67 and all that. But I am 65 years old. And in my lifetime, the Detroit Lions have won one playoff game. Like that's, it, it's almost impossible to believe. Yes. It really it is. is. Like that is hard to believe. Like even, even me as a Jet fan and Jan as a partial Jet fan, um, well, you like the Raiders too. Partial. I'm a person who had season tickets, Bob. I, yeah, paid, I, like, I paid my money. Yeah, you like I the Raiders. I paid my too. money. I don't like the Raiders. Anyhow, as a partial Jet fan, um, we think that we have it really bad. But, you know, like I at least was five years old when they won a Super Bowl. They haven't been back, but they had championship game, you know, appearances. And I, that, Kev, I feel for you. It's almost impossible. Now, like, I, there's tears of heart. 
that that a historic franchise like the Lions has never been to a Super Bowl. And it was, like it was so hard to believe they can't fix it. Like it's just this is a lot of yeah. years that they've had to correct this. Well, and look, that was look. and that was that was ninety one, right? It was when they beat uh, Dallas and then they lost to right. Washington. Yeah, I, co I, I covered that game. Yeah. Um, and you know, and and I also uh, uh, a lot of people don't realize, but I've covered like a hundred NFL games because I did when I lived in Michigan, like when they were home, I always did the home games for USA Today. So, okay. you know, for like 15 years, yeah. you know, I was doing wow. eight games a year, you know. So you saw uh, a lot of Eric Hipple. So, yeah, but I saw, you know, Barry Sanders, and he was yeah. so remarkable, and the fact that they couldn't win. Um, and, you know, they had some good teams, like, you know, Wayne, the Wayne Fonts era, they, everybody used to laugh about Wayne Fonts, but, you know, he, he had, they always had a, sort of a, a right-on-the-cusp uh record you know they they uh they've had they had some good seasons um so scott mitchell came in and played well in the years where they had uh you know herman moore and Perriman mm -hmm. and stuff yep. and the barry sanders running but you know there i i saw a stat yesterday that uh caldwell was their coach and um he had a winning record and was nine and seven the season before he was fired and had gone to two two playoff uh, rounds that, you know, he lost, but he got into the playoffs twice in three years. Um, you know, already in three seasons, uh, uh, Patricia's lost 29 games and we haven't even finished this. So, I mean, is it the Fords, do they need to give up the team to change the luck? Is it really, because that's the one. No, well, everybody says that, but I, <clears throat> I think a lot of this has been um, the, the coaching carousel because you know what happens in the nfl like uh and th this drives me crazy every nfl team because you don't see this in the nhl and the, when an nfl coach takes over a new guy he acts as if the 40 guys on that roster are the worst 40 guys yeah. in the league yeah. so he starts completely over um and he doesn't pay any homage and that that has happened so many times in detroit in my lifetime so, you know, you get a new coach every three years. And then, you know, when they were a little bit close, well, they tear it all down and start over. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Patricia did that. Like, they were 15th, ranked 15th. This is another stat I saw yesterday. Ranked 15th defensively under Caldwell um, in his last season. And then in Patricia's first year, it was 21st and then 26th and now 29th. And pa Patricia was a defensive coach from New England. Yeah, that, that, they, he was going to – he was going to turn the defense around like nobody's business. Well, talk, uh, talking about the coaching carousel, and we'll start uh, after this. Um, you know, the Bills, their glory days, obviously, with the four years uh, that they went to the Super Bowl and lost uh, under Marv Levy, who's a Hall of Fame coach. And he coached, I think, from 87 to like 96 or 97. Since then, Mc, uh, Sean McDermott, who's made the playoffs two of the last three years and probably will be three of the three of his first four. He's the most successful coach since Levy. It's been, I think eight or nine head coaches between Levy and him. And I think the only one to make the playoffs in between was Wade Phillips. And that game was the famous uh, Tennessee Motor City, uh, Motor City the, the, the miracle. Yeah, the Music City Miracle. Music City Miracle. Yep. Yeah, home run, throw, home run throwback. Yes, the the uh, which was I think an illegal play, but anyway. All right. Um, okay, let's start the show. Hello, hockey yeah. world. Today, today is uh, Friday, November twenty seventh, twenty twenty. I'm Jan Levine. 
Russ Cohen from Sportsology, and I think Mike was cheating. He looked down at the on the date there. Just saying. <laughs> I'm Ke I'm Kevin Allen, and I don't know what date it is. So. <laughs> and I'm Michael Lagello. It's the day after Thanksgiving, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Okay, let's start with this because I think the interesting thing <laughs> is what Julian Brisebois will do now because uh, since we last had a show. Um, um, Michael Sergachev or Mikhail Sergachev, however you want to pronounce the name, uh, it was a restricted free agent, and he signed a three-year deal uh, for $14.4 million, $4.8 million AAV. The interesting thing on this deal is the structure of it. Like every deal right now, they're all backloaded because the players don't want uh, – they want the least amount of money in the first year of the deal when, where the escrow is going to be 20%. But – 2.4 million in the first year, 4.8 million in the second year, and 7.2 million in the third year, which means for the qualifying offer, because uh, uh, he's a restricted free agent one year away from being an unrestricted free agent at the end of the deal, they would have to qualify him at over $8 million. Now, I don't, I don't know whether he's going to be that good of a defenseman that they're going to want to do that, but Kevin, the question I have now, if you look at the uh, cap friendly and you look at Tampa Bay's uh, salary cap situation, they're over the cap already, and they still haven't signed Sorelli and Cernak. I keep thinking, yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah, mean the damn know, thing, right? I'm, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I, I just, you know, I think there's a deal out there that he has that he doesn't like, and if he has to do it, he will, but I think he's working, uh, look and see what else he can do. I, you know, <clears throat> I've talked to a couple of people recently who believe as I do that uh, the most likely destination is Nashville um, Johnson. and and uh, that um, they like Nashville's interest in in, in and um, I kind of drawn a blank here Tyler Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson. yeah and, uh, to play on their second line mm -hmm. with Duchesne. Um and uh, you know they're they're just they just haven't settled on compensation um, now um, you know, who knows whether that's true. David Poyle plays everything close to the vest, right. but it does make a lot of sense. Like Johnson is two years removed from 29 goals. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's, he can play and mm -hmm. given the opportunity on the second line, I think he would, uh, I think he could help there. He's certainly better than what they've, they've had there. Um, uh, you know, they, they, they don't have, want to pay that money. That's for sure. Pardon me. They wouldn't want to pay his current salary. Well, they, they, they wouldn't. So, yeah. uh, but I think they might. If uh, if they got enough back from Tampa, um, you know, or, you know, it could be like to me, it's amazing psychology between five million and four point five. Like, doesn't yeah. it seem like miles and miles and miles? Yeah. Apart? Um, so like if if Tampa would would take five hundred thousand and then give up uh, a first round pick and something else, because I think it's at least that, um, you know. You know, they, everybody knows that uh, Tampa is over a barrel, but, you know, that alone won't do it. They've got other work to do. But, you know, then it, then it becomes, well, then Stamkos will, you know, go on long-term and, you know, we'll make it work that way. Russ, but I, I don't think it's an issue. I, I think Tampa Bay, you know, has, you know, a couple of uh, A plan, B plan, C plan. 
for Russ, first on, on Sergachev, mm-hmm. you know, I've liked him since he was drafted. I think there was a mm-hmm. big mistake that Buffalo didn't take him at the draft we're at, uh, and, and they took Alex Nealander instead. He's, you know, I think Montreal made a mistake in trading him, and he's grown into a defenseman. I don't know if I don't know if he's top pairing. I think he's an excellent three, mm-hmm. and he's being paid like that. But he could grow into a top pairing guy over three more years. I mean, do you think that? I think this is a good deal. I think it's a great deal based on where they're where they're at. But what do you think? No, I think it's a good deal, and I do think he's grown as a player. I've seen him blocking more shots. I've seen his skating improve. Uh, I don't know if it was choppy or whatever it was. He was getting away with it, but. I noticed last year it looked a lot better the way he can sort of dominate some ships. Now he wasn't able to do early, early on. I think, you know, like a lot of defensemen, 23, 24, 25 is the point where they really start to, you know, work into that position and really start to feel it. So I think, I think they're getting his best years, you know, back to the Nashville thing. I would accept the whole salary if they're going to give me like Alex Marboulet, who they've not even utilized yet. And, has been lighting the AHL on fire. They want to give me that that guy too. Uh, I'll make the deal. Yeah, I mean they have enough youngsters in their minors with Radish and and Foot and Volkov. Yeah. Uh, I mean they're a loaded organization, so they might not even have to give up their first round pick in a deal to to rid themselves of Tyler Johnson. Um, Jan, I mean you look at their defense the next few years with Hedman and McDonough and Sergachev now locked up. I mean, I'm sure, you know, obviously Brisebois has to get them over 80, under 81.5 by the beginning of the regular season. And we don't know if it's going to be the trade or if it's going to be Stamkos and LTIR, but they've set themselves up here to just be, you know, a, a solid, good to great team for the next four or five years. And they have a pipeline of prospects also that that's going to be able to fill in spots. I mean, I think, I mean, McDonough's contract, in my opinion, and look, he played great in the playoffs last year. But at six point seven five million for the five years, and the amount of wear and tear that he's had on him, right. you can obviously see him and Sergachev kind of swapping spots at some point in time to kind of reduce some of the wear on tear on him. And then the fact that they have him locked up and he's an RFA without Arbright's again is pretty impressive as well. Even though they're going to have to sign him to a high figure, I don't know if it's going to be the seven point two from the last year. I think it has to do a little more with the AAV and the average associated with it with the signing bonus. I have to take a look at that. But it was a great move by Brisbane. And look. They're going to have to move somebody because they got to sign Sorelli and Cernak still, which still puts them in a bit of a hamstrung position. Um, but that's part of the process of winning, right? They, they set themselves up in this position with some of the deals that they gave three, four years ago when they gave Johnson the deal. It looked great on paper. Now it looks like a little bit of an albatross around their neck, and they're going to have to take a haircut to try to move him. It's just a matter of how much pain Brisbane is willing to deal with in order to try to create additional cap room to get the other guys under, under contract. Anthony, we welcome Anthony Mangione to the show. Uh, Anthony, I'm still recovering from food coma here. It's the it's the Italian thing. Break out uh, the alka seltzer. Uh, <laughs> lot, lots of it. Um, we're talking we're talking about the Sergachev uh, signing. Um, of course, as I, when I saw it, I said, "Of course, they get, if it's any other team, he's going to get five and a half, six million. But it's Tampa Bay. They're a great team. They have the Florida State tax advantage." Um, you know, I think the deal is, it's not a, a ridiculous bargain, but it's a bargain and he's a really good defenseman. What did you, what did you think of the signing? Oh, when I saw the deal three years first where, you know, it, it was a perfect bridge style contract to, to me. That's how that was set up. And he knows as time goes on, it's him and it's Hedman really at, as, as the two, as the two heads of that defense going forward. So I, I, again, it allows them to kind of move forward 
to remain competitive. Um, again, as, as you all stated as well, the Tyler Johnson deal is what once they kind of figure once they can kind of figure that out mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how much pain they're going to be willing to take as Jan put to it. Uh, then obviously this deal will, will work out, I think, in the long term. But I, I thought, you know, it was again, it did not surprise me one bit when I saw the deal, when I saw it was a bridge contract, because, again, they're still trying to, to maintain, obviously, a uh, Stanley Cup competitive window. And Sergeyev will allow them to do that. And there hasn't been an offer sheet. No, not not a one. What are those again? Always a whisper. Always what are those a whisper. again? Happened in the NBA. The NHL talks a big game and never comes through on it. I think no. every GM seems to be afraid of each other. It's it, they don't work, folks. That's why they don't do them. If, yeah. if they worked, people would do them. If, if, if you struck, look, if they structured it correctly, it would work. The Sebastian Ajo no. deal was so poorly constructed last year, I, everybody knew they were going to match. I, I have gone over and over this with general managers, and they always say the same thing. And said they say, find me someone who can tell me how we can do it, how we don't <laughs> screw up our own salary cap system and bring a guy in. That's what people forget. Yeah. I can't just pay I, I, someone $15 million and then expect it not to have an impact on everybody else on your roster. That's I, why they can't do them. I hope Tom Dundon and Don Waddell sent a magnum of Dom Perignon to Mark oh, for that deal because it was it was a gift. It was an it was. gift. It was a total, total, total gift. But I, I have, you know, I – I know some, there's some general managers that want to do them, but none of them have figured out how to do them. Um, and the the penalty that's imposed on their own cap system, like you could do it if you, you know, like for example, if you wanted to pay, let's just say for the sake of argument, Austin Matthews wasn't signed. And if you want to give him 16-5, right. uh, like, yeah, then they wouldn't sign. But in order to do that, you're going to totally screw up your own system because then Mitch Marner is going to need to come up and everything else. And they're too smart to do that. They just can't, you know, figure out a way to do it where it doesn't disrupt their their salary cap. I, I saw somebody tweeted yesterday on Thanksgiving about that the uh, Players Association has to get that changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I completely agree if they want that to actually be a factor because you could change it. The compensation also is an issue. Right. Um, right. And so, like, if you could get rid of that, then you might consider it. Well, and, so. and I, I'll, I'll say this. I know that the rule, the rules have changed slightly since these two in- instances occurred. But if the Joe Sackick offer sheet to the Rangers and the Shea Weber offer sheet by Philadelphia didn't work, it will never work because they front loaded those deals so ridiculously to make it painful for the teams to match, and they still matched. So well, it's never going to work. Sackick would have worked if Air Force One had come out one week later and the guys who they were investing <laughs> hadn't made a boatload of money after the opening weekend. So that contract would have worked. The Ajo one, I think if they had gone another half a mil or 750000 higher and the compensation would have been another first-round pick, they would have. But at that price level – it didn't warrant that. I, I always not. wonder when I, we all saw the structure of the Ajo, it was almost to me, you never want to talk about any kind of collusion or anything along along those lines. But it almost felt like a favor was being, it really did feel like, as Mike said, a favor was being done. You know, we know that sometimes, you know, deals are made with the intention of, as time goes on, of possibly later deals coming on down the line. Uh, but that, that to me, that's how it read to me when I saw that Ajo deal. And yeah, Tampa Bay has has the benefit of the no state tax, right? So that that's a that's one huge factor because it, it increases the value of the dollars they earn. 
as opposed to them going elsewhere, especially when we went to Montreal and the Canadian, the Quebec taxes. B, the other piece of equation is they want to stay in Tampa because it's a winning squad. So even if they thought of getting an offer sheet, the players are going to want such a high number to warrant them potentially moving that it may make more sense for them just to remain in, with the team they're at. Well, the, if you go back to the Shea Weber one, and that, that's a valid point about if you remember at that time, the reason that everybody thought um, that that might work is is that, that it was said that the, the Predators were sort of cash-strapped right. uh, and they'd actually have to get a loan in order to do it. Well, I remember at the time talking to a couple of owners because I did a story off of that, and they said there isn't an owner in the league that wouldn't take out a short-term loan right. to cover that. Like right. everybody would have had to get a loan. You don't have $26 million in a safe behind your desk, you know, it also, whatever it was. It would also speak pretty poorly, again, of, of, Nash, of, of Nashville's ownership, too, because yeah, if, they, well, if, they, if they hadn't done that, because then it would reflect upon, you know, well, you want to have a united front that all of our, all of our franchises are solvent and in good shape, yeah. that to let that happen would be a potential problem for the league as much as it is for the, for the individual team. Yeah, and if you and you also, um, you know, don't want to constantly be rated for your top players. If so, if you don't match one time, don't set a precedent. Yeah. Now I, I want to touch on this. Uh, we we talked about it on Wednesday, and I want to straighten out the. You know, there was maybe a little bit of a misconception regarding the uh, the announcement about Johnny Boychuk. We weren't we were not saying on this panel that Boychuk was was faking the injury or anything like that. This is this was a valid eye injury that occurred during the regular season. Um, it just Kevin. He, you know, he announced that he his career is over with. He didn't retire because he's got two years left in his contract. But the Islanders, if you talk about somebody doing a favor, Johnny Boychuk did a favor for them because now they have the cap space to act to sign Matt Barzell to a, to a, to a new deal. It was convenient timing. Nobody here was saying that it was faked or that they, no. they the doctors fixed it or anything like that. But it's just it's. It's Lou Lamorello with Stefan Robida and Joffrey Lupo all over again. He seems to find a way to get these to fit these guys in. Yeah, it's it's reminiscent. You remember when Zetterberg uh, uh, retired and he still had years left, and um, the Red Wings had known uh, he was playing basically against doctors' orders. Right. And no, no, you know he shouldn't have been playing, but he it was his own personal choice. You know, he, he played anyway. So, you know, they knew as soon as he would go out that he would be medically cleared and they would not be liable for his money uh, just because, you know, their own doctors had said, you know, you, sh you shouldn't be playing. Um, and everybody did. So I'm sure that's the case uh, with Boychuk. That you know, it brings up a good argument, though, Kev. Um, so, like, when you look into Boychuk, he not only played the last three playoff games, in that last one, he played over 15 minutes and he had the second most – uh, get over five minutes, second most time on the penalty kill, which again, the penalty kill is not the easiest thing to play. So you kind of wonder, should there be minimum standards for players to have to hurdle to play in a hockey game? Well, that, you know, that often brings up, and I've, I've often said this, you know, you know who the biggest obstacle is to getting, um, you know, more surveillance of, of players in uh, NHL games to, to bring out is the players themselves. Like you tell a player, you know, you got to come off the ice. They just don't do it. Um, you know, they don't, they don't want to do it. They, you know, they just, there's, there's no way it's, um, 
you know, it's a real difficult situation uh, because mm -hmm. everybody wants control of their own medical issues. Um, and yet, you know, Russ raises a great, uh, you know, for the good of the player, you almost sometimes have to pull them off the ice, but it's hard to do. Well, I mean, we, we always glorify and extol the virtues of the guys who play through this in the playoffs, right? You even look at Dallas, what Tyler Sagan played through, and now he's out five months, what Pasternak, what Marchand. And those are just recent examples. You go back in history, there's guys with broken legs and everything else, and they're lofted on a high banner for being able to play through pain sure. in order to make it in order to get their team a shot to win the cup. Guys are going to play through everything in order to get a, get a shot at winning the cup, given how hard it is to do so. And it's the thing we talk about always in organization. So the problem is in this case, as you said, he played the last three games, right? An eye injury, maybe he did suffer a setback or maybe something occurred in the offseason. But the problem is, is the, the optics of it is bad, given the nature of what the ability for him to go on LTIR, because we know they didn't use the term retire, said he's no longer able to play purposely for semantics and insurance purposes and LTIR reasons, you kind of get into the position of that gray area, which is why we all start to questioning. Look, I'm not saying he's not injured, but the problem is, is the convenience factor and Lamarillo's history with other events sort of puts has to put some level of speculation associated with the move itself. Right. Um, okay. Let's let's move on to the uh, to the league itself and where things stand in terms of when the season will start, Kev. Um, I thought it was optimistic maybe a couple weeks ago that they would start on January 1st, but I thought it would happen. Now it's starting to look like January 1st is a pipe dream and that it's starting to look more like the uh, middle of January and not a 60-game schedule but a 48-game schedule. Uh, the two sides haven't talked in over a week since the uh, the owners came out with the uh, increased deferment, increased escrow, or uh, increased deferment and down the line increased escrow. Where do you think things stand? Is it, do you think we're we're looking at a at a staring staring contest? Uh oh, we're looking at a staring contest. Kev? Well, I I, I think that yeah, I'm with you. Can you hear me? Yep, you're good. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I I think it will get done. You know, I I think the the, the players, although they they've um, uh, you hear that they're outraged over this. I think they knew this was coming. Um, and I think a lot of this is just, you know, sort of posturing. And um, I, I think there's going to still be a further compromise for what the league wants and uh, where they're at now. But I would think that it would uh, be closer to what the players have already agreed to than what the league is now asking. Um, just because they did negotiate this. This is a, you know, a classic case where you, you know, you negotiate a contract and one side ended up with an advantage and then the other side said when it doesn't work out well we need to renegotiate well you know the reason the players did the uh contract in the first place is they thought it was a good contract for them and it turned out that it was right um so um so i i, I think it's going to get done i i spoke to a, a general manager um the, the day before thanksgiving who said he was still planning on with the idea that they were gonna uh, open the season january 1st um, and he said, you know, I could be wrong, but he said, I sort of believe that they'll get this, this worked out because it's in the player's best interest to get going. Right. You know, they, they need to make money. Um, so he said, uh, he thought it would, uh, it would, it would get done. And, um, but you know, I think it was Russ that pointed out the last time I was on the show, uh, you know, that the seven teams have already gotten screwed. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, they're not going to get the, uh, 
that uh, benefit of having the extended uh, training camp. So yeah, and, and Anthony, I, I look at I look at the situation here. Is I mean, we've had seasons where there've been forty eight games before, so it's not territory that the, yeah. the league hasn't gone you know gone down before. I don't think those seasons would be looked upon as having they weren't looked upon as having asterisks to to them, but because of the pandemic, having intra division. Uh, for 48 games and then going into a playoff. And according to Pierre LeBrun, there's talk about, like, say, if there's a Canadian division, they won't be playing outside of that Canadian division until the conference final. Yeah. Would, would you think that the season would have some sort of asterisk because of that? It would almost feel like you have four different leagues playing. Right. That's basically how you would kind of have to look at it. It'd be like four different geographic leagues playing and then meeting, you know, it, you know, it, it, in, in those conference final setups. and. Right. At the moment, I think that, you know, if I don't think I wouldn't look at it as an asterisk per se, it's just accepting the fact that this, if you're going to play any hockey this season, you have to adapt and, de and, and deal with the hand that you're dealt. Right. And I think this is probably, if you're going to have these games, you're going to have a 48 game season, it's probably, it is probably the safest method to do it because then you at least buy time, you get to the summer, you have a chance at that point where potentially a, um, you know, you, you have a vaccine or, something successful out there. And then you could talk about maybe either having a conference final at, at home locations versus setting up four teams for a conference, for a conference and Stanley cup final at a bubble location. Right. So to me, I, I look at it as this is just the hand that's dealt that they're dealt right now. If we're it's either that or you don't play. Right. Yeah. And I, and the one thing I, I've said this before, and I, I think, I think it's the, the case if I'm the players and I have a choice between increasing deferment and increasing escrow in year one, or, uh, you know, or negotiating a deal where you increase the deferment that goes further down where the escrow is at a lower amount, you're actually getting more money in the long run by doing that. But I think it's the, just the principle that they're going back with hat in hand four months after they had an, an, a deal to come back again to have a, to re, in a way renegotiate. And really the optics and things haven't changed much, but I think the, the owners realize that they're not going to make any money this year, very little money other than advertising and and uh, TV contract. They're not, you know, you're likely not going to have fans in the stands until at least April. So, so the problem is, Mike, is you, if you go with the, what, the, what the owners are suggesting now, the players are in essence getting 61% on their contract. In addition, even with a deferment, the big issue associated that we discussed is there's no VIG. There's no juice for the players. Right. You're, all we're doing is deferring, and we've talked about the present value of money. You're getting less down the road because there's no interest rate associated with it. Sure. They're not giving you anything to do with it. I understand that the owners are feeling the pain. We've talked about this, but the problem is now you're asking the players to give more of what they gave already after already being in a position where they gave beforehand associated with the contract you signed with. Yeah. Oh, by the way, let's start defining what hockey-related revenue is because we all know that's specious at best, especially when Seattle comes in and every team is getting $32 million of additional capital that's going into the owner's pockets and going nowhere else. Right. Well, the you could make the argument that the hockey-related revenue there is 50 pro contracts for players. <laughs> so You could. Right. Okay, uh, Russ, um, we saw the news about uh, two players testing positive for hockey uh, for Team Canada, that uh, Hockey Canada is putting all their players and, and everybody else into a bubble early. Uh, that they've uh, that they're shutting down for, I believe, two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, 
the way that I've seen the increase in COVID rate explode in Alberta, which was the place back in July and August that had the least amount of positive cases, it's starting to put a uncertain status on what happens for the World Junior. What have you heard? Yeah, um, there's an, a good article. I guess it started um, on, uh, I don't remember what Canadian website, but I'm looking at chatnewstoday.ca and there's a doctor over at uh, University of Alberta, Lorian Hardcastle, who basically said, hey, look, the NHL went okay. to do this job, but there wasn't a surge in cases like there is now. So Alberta at the time when the uh, NHL was there had 1,386 cases. Now they have 14,510 deaths. Um, the biggest problem is, is this person believes, and I, I don't feel much different, it's not safe for the players to be coming into a place that's surging because, you know, we forget, yes, the Canadian players can get their way out of this and, and they could quarantine their way out of this. You've got players from a lot of other countries that are coming into this. Are you going to quarantine them for two weeks before they even come into Canada? Probably not. And so you could be making that situation worse before it gets better. And then the timing of the tournament would be uh, a problem. So, if they were willing to push back the tournament, I don't think there would be any question that it would happen. But I think if they're going to try and stick to the dates, you know, there's a problem here. And again, it's really with asymptomatic cases. It's hard to figure out what the damage is going to be with that. Because again, you could get tested right when you get on the plane out in Finland. And by the time you get to Edmonton, you know, by the next day, it could be a different story. Yeah, but if they push the tournament back, then they're going to have to move it because that building is for the Oilers. Know, but, so, I mean, they can play know. Red Deer or something like that. But I mean, they and that's I think that's been talked about, but it is just one of those things where, um, you know, you're talking about 250 players plus staff. So for like 400 people, that's a lot of people. And we're not including scouts in this, which I totally don't understand what the IIHF is doing here because media is allowed – but scouts are not. I mean, if Kevin, you want to limit the number of scouts, okay. Yeah, I don't get this at all. I mean, Kevin, I, I it, it's unbelievable. I mean, okay, I I believe that U.S. media are not allowed to go to to the tournament. You're not. It says it right on the application. Yeah, but it's Canadian the United States, you could only work on this remotely. Yeah, Russ and I have applied for uh, for remote for Zoom calls and things of that nature. Right. Um, but Canadian media, and I'm assuming um, you know, Finnish, Russian media, may, they may be allowed. American media, no, and no scouts. I mean, really, I, I'm 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 dumbfounded that the IIHF is not going to even let them in the building 500 feet away from the players. Yeah, no, it's I, I, that is bizarre, um, and I that's being the way too overly cautious. I mean, you know, they wouldn't have to be anywhere near the players. I mean, it's no, not like they never are. <laughs> You know, see anyone. So I, I'm not sure what that's about. Even if they said they all had to be in suites, Kev, they all their teams buy suites anyhow. Like that's that's normally the way they handle it. Um, Canadian press is the one that broke this, but but that's the way they normally handle it. Normally, these guys are all in suites anyhow. So in a way, they would be a well well away from the players. Yeah. All right. Um, let's do something fun here. Um, I found a list and. Um, the, the, the name of the uh, person who compiled this is uh, is it's on Reddit, um, but he didn't list his name. He's just got his screen name. That's so already dangerous. Well, no, I I, I looked up. You like have a tinfoil hat. 
I looked up five things, five five names on here, and they were all right. So I'm I'm going to. It, it's not anything. Uh, it, it's good research, Mike. The mic the Mike in Buffalo cross reference has been completed, yes. and we are ready to present this. Sponsored by the Anchor Bar, where the wings are murder. Um, okay, this is a list of players who have scored the most goals in each individual building. Now, obviously. It's going to be somebody for the home team because they play 41 games a year right. while only the visitors play at most three times. So, um, but okay, we'll start with, and, and just, you know, throw out, throw out the name and I'll give you who it is. Whoever says the first, uh, Amelie arena in Tampa, who is the leading goal scorer. Stamp coast. Yes. I mean, um, some of these are fairly easy. Some of them are, will be a little bit challenging. Uh, the American airlines center in Dallas. Ooh. Ben. Jamie Ben. Yeah, right. yeah, I was thinking okay. between seconds more assists. Um, our favorite building in sunrise, Florida, the BB and T center. I'll go. Pat 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 probably. Yeah. No, maybe not. Burn. No, it's uh, it's Russ's favorite shootout guy. Oli Oli Anthony, your microphone is uh, uh, crisping. Yeah. Um, I'll plug and replug. There you go. Uh, the Bell Center in Montreal, or Centre Bell in Montreal. Oof. Former team captain. Max Pacioretty. Bingo. Yeah, 100, 129 goals. Wow. Not a lot. Not a no, lot. I I that's why. Yeah. Uh, the Bell MTS Center in Winnipeg. If Pete Tessier was on the show, he would Lake Wheeler? Lake Wheeler, yes. yeah. Man, I, I wanted to go a Manitoba Moose player. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. Ooh. Uh, ooh. I think this is tough. Yeah, right. This player, um, after his career with Predators, played with Buffalo, Ottawa, and Detroit. Greg Johnson. No, no he didn't play in Buffalo. Uh, I believe he was the first. I believe he was the first Predators first round pick. Oh, leg one. David, yeah. no, I didn't think he had that many goals. I should have gone like one. more goals than you thought. You're looking yeah. for assists, but yeah, I think he scored quite a bit. 110 goals. Okay. Not a lot of goals for as long as that place has been around. Yes. Uh, 100, uh, sorry, uh, uh, the Canadian Tire Center in Ottawa. This player was known for faking throwing his stick. Nope. No, he was known for dating Carol. Not, Al not Alfie. Alfie. Oh, Alfie. It was Alfie. Okay. All right. Yeah, remember, he faked Alfie. throwing the stick into the crowd, right. you know, making fun of his countrymen. Should be future Hall of Famer Daniel Alfredson also. but Yes, well, that yeah, unfortunately, but you're right. 228 goals. Um, my favorite Leaf player of all time was Mark Bell for laying out Daniel Alfredson. Oh, uh, what is wrong? You know what? <sighs> you should just mute him just for saying that. Oh, stop. I'm just kidding. Mike has a, a collection of axes that he grinds on a regular basis. <laughs> There's nothing left. <laughs> There's no Great left. Uh, this one is the easiest one of them all. The Capital One Arena in Washington. Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, this one surprised me a little bit. Uh, the Enterprise Arena in St. Louis. 
Ooh, because that's where he's been around a little. Uh, been Keith a Kachuk? Lot. No. No, I was going to yeah. say Pavel Dimitri. What was Dimitri? Yeah. Pavel Dimitri. That's a good one. Yeah. Dimitri scored at a ridiculous rate there. In I, I was going to. I was going to. And that arena has been around for a little that, since it's, the 90s. So. I think it's the oldest now. Yeah, I was going to give the Macau. Is, old, is it older than Wells Fargo Center? Still younger? I think than? a year or two older than Wells Fargo, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was going to give the macabre clue that he's the only one on the list that is deceased. Well, glad oh. I got that one in advance. Thanks, yeah, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, we got it out there. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I mean, no, I mean, you know, I'm taking any great pleasure. Thank you, next thank you for the morbidity factor. Let's continue. Usually that's rust, is rest in peace. Oh, here we go. Uh, the Gila River Arena in... Glendale. Oh, I'm because Keith Kachuk. No, Ronan. No, oh no, Gila. Because because again, they were at America. Oh, it's Gila, right? That's right. Because not because I'm thinking of America West. That's right. I was thinking that can't too. be that. So, arguably, Dome. Dome. Shane Dome. Shane Dome. Yeah, yeah, these are the, all the current buildings. I'm sure <laughs> if it was America West. I got to ask an honest question. What, Kevin? Worst sight lines: America West Arena for hockey or Barclays Center? I, I Barclays. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. bad things about America West was bad. America West was awful. I heard that. Yeah, but no, it was it was awful. Yeah, no, they're both really terrible. <laughs> okay, um, the Honda Center in Anaheim, Korea. Gets left. Korea, not, not Korea. Korea. Oh, Solani. Solani. Yes. Oh, Solani. Korea, Korea with the assist. He was he was off and feeding Solani on. Yep. Two hundred two hundred and fifty one. Team Tamu, baby. It's a good amount of goal. Uh, the Key Bank Center in Buffalo. Andrew Chuck? No. 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 He'd be odd. He, he would have been be odd more. That's right. How did Danny Breer – because Danny Breer was on a pretty good clip there, but I don't think he's uh, up there. I'll, I'll go Chris Drury. Okay. No, he was there long enough. Um, yeah. This guy is well-known for basically playing with almost every NHL team in the last four years of his career. Islanders, Montreal, Detroit – he was traded a bunch of times at the deadline. Oh, 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 no. I know it's, it's, it's I know it's not Zadina. Uh, uh, no. uh, the clue eventually. Is, he'll get there eventually. The clue is is his first initial is the same as his last initial. A Athanasiu? Athanasiu. Oh god. 37 career oh. goals in Little Caesars Arena. Yeah. Okay. Um Madison Square Garden. Now, this is obviously the same building that they refer yeah, What year are we counting for the garden? Yeah, where are we counting from? Because if it's the old, it would be Gilbert. Right. But I don't know if we're counting from then. It's a, Yeah, you, you got it. Gilbert. Rod Gilbert. Gilbert. Uh, so we're counting all the iterations of Madison all the Square Garden starting yeah. from 50th Street. Yeah, the actual yeah. physical address. So the updates right. mean nothing. Um, and this, okay, this is the second easiest one next to Ovechkin. Nassau Coliseum. Boston. Yeah, exactly. And if you took the Olympia, it'd be Gordy Hoff. If you took Northlands Coliseum, it would be Gretzky. Right. Uh, nationwide Arena in Columbus. Nash. Bingo. This one surprised me. The Pepsi Center in Colorado. Second. I'm going to go Alex Tangay. You're on the right 
path there, Russ, but the wrong guy. Hey, dude. Hey, dude. Hey, yeah, I figured it'd be one of those guys. I did. Everywhere. 188 goals. That's really good, good player, Hayduk. Hayduk, yeah. yeah, he was under. I, I, he was. It really was possible player. for a player to be underrated. He was, he was a great sure. player. He really was. Okay, uh, the PNC Arena in uh, Carol for Carolina. Not Sammy Kapanen. No. <laughs> Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl. Yeah, that's 163. Yeah. Um, the PP&G Paints Arena in Pittsburgh. Ah, it's a new, new arena. No, oh, no, it may be Malkin. 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 It was one or the other. It had yeah. one or the other. Again, Malkin known, I think, a bit more for his goal scoring, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 151 goals for Malkin. Okay, The Rock, the Prudential Center in Newark. Patrick Eliash. Yep. Yeah, that's a good guess. 98 goals. Uh, okay, Rogers Arena in Vancouver. Ooh. Uh, Daniel Sedin? Maslin. Daniel Sedin. Daniel Sedin. Maslin oh. would have been my next one, but yeah, Daniel Sedin. 197. Maslin did play in the old – Did he? I'm trying to think. How, how long has Rogers been around now? Good question. I, I think I think Nas, I think Nas, five, and I think it's been around a little longer. Than I think Naslin played the majority of his because I mean it was. Yeah, like, I do too. He's probably second on that list. Yeah, uh, Rogers place in Edmonton. I mean, I, I mean got David, but it could be Drysdale. No, it's McDavid. Seven, Seventy-eight goals. Okay, um, the Saddle Dome in Calgary. Jerome McGinley. 269. By the way, the not goal for Grimma, man. That's awesome. The most goals in one was, building. The most was second at Saddledome. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking it might be Newendike was there for a long time. It'd be Flurry. Flurry. No, Newendike had a had a couple had a 50 goal season. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, by the way, the, the, the leading goal score in one building is Ovechkin at 345. Bossy is second at uh, 316. Um, Aginla is fourth with 269. This guy is third with 277 in the SAP Center in San Jose. Marlow, Marlow, Marlow. Yeah, 270. Yeah. Wouldn't be because he may not have scored that many in his career, or just a little. Right. Yeah, Thornton yeah. doesn't score enough goals. Product, <laughs> product of goal scoring attrition over time because he's been yeah. the for so long. Okay, this guy is known for not winning a Stanley Cup, winning Olympic gold medal. And not waving his no trade clause, <laughs> Matt Sundin. Like, come on, man! <laughs> another, he's found another axe to grind. <laughs> I didn't even have to I hear. He keeps getting smaller and smaller. That axe. He's got nothing left. No, he's got a collection of them in his basement. He just gets another one out. <laughs> that would be like the daily double on Michael Jello's Jeopardy. Like, I worry, like more, I worry more about the stone that he's grinding that he uses the grinding on than the axe. He has plenty. Who of is Matt Sundin? That was too easy. We didn't even need the audio from that daily double. Okay, uh, this Anthony. The problem is though, he starts getting to the wood and grinding that down, and then it's all over. And we have a fire on our hands. <laughs> it's a toothpick at the end of it. Uh, the Staples Center in L.A. Oh, Gretzky. Oh. I'll go Kopitar. No, Kopitar. 
Dustin Brown. Dustin Brown. Dustin Brown. I was going to say that or Dustin Brown. Over 173 goals. He just beat out Ziggy Palfi. No, just kidding. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite players of all time is Palfi. That's good if he could beat out Palfi. I mean, Palfi didn't play Palfie, there. Palfi's really underrated career. I mean, oh, yeah. He would have stayed another year or two. I think he would have had a lot, lot of Hall of Fame votes, in my opinion. Yeah, he was he was a great player. Uh, the TD Garden in Boston. Mm. Since they moved, so again, we were kind of for TD yeah. Garden. Yeah. Pasternak's on a good clip right now, but it's not. Yeah. I'm going to go Marshawn. Nope. No. Actually, Bergeron? Bergeron. I was going to say Bergeron, Bergeron because Bergeron. he's had a pretty good for – all for, for as much as we talk about his defensive acumen. Yeah. Bergeron, Bergeron's a scorer. Right? Yeah. Honestly, player. Kevin, Ber I have a, I have so much respect for Bergeron that I think they, when he retires, they should waive the three-year uh, or the 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 uh, uh, waiting period when it comes yeah. to putting him in the Hall of Fame. I agree. He's so I agree yeah, no, yeah, you should, you know, but he's never really been acclaimed like that. Even though he's no. uh, his greatness extends to intangibles and defensive play and yeah. offensive play and leadership. You know, he had it all. Uh, the T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. This guy scored most of his goals in one year. Carlson. Yeah. William yeah. Carlson. I was, I was trying to think of the name. Carlson like was, a, was, was an amazing tear that first Yeah, four. 47 career goals. Um, now he gets 20 a year. Right. Three more three more, and we're done. Uh, the United Center in Chicago. Patrick Kane. 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 Patrick Kane, 193. Okay, put on your thinking cap here, Anthony. Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. So now we're getting a Wells Fargo Center. So we got LeClaire, who had an amazing – who had a really I, mean, I know who my answer is, but I'll let Anthony go first. Uh, in terms of pure goal – again, pure goal scoring in this case. This one's not as easy as you think. Um, ding, 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 yep. Ding, ding. It's a tough one there. Oh, my God. I'm wrecking my brain, and I'm having a difficult time here. We're going 96 full. So we're going from 96 – and going forward, and I'm, there's a part of me that's thinking it's going to be, oh, Briere had a great had, had some good numbers. <clears throat> no, not Briere. I'm going Lindros. No, uh, uh, is it Eric? No, not Eric. Because make, make a guess. I'll, I'll, I'll give you make a guess. I'm Eric Lindros. That's what I'm saying. Go ahead, Anthony. I'll go with Eric, but I don't think it's right. John LeClaire. I said LeClaire at the beginning. LeClaire in the beginning. I said LeClaire right at the beginning. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't like final answer. Was, oh, was like Anthony, you forgot to phrase it in the form of a question. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that was dirty. <laughs> now my act. Now I have an axe to grind with Michael's name on it. Yeah. <laughs> you got it on the first shot. That I was did. LeClaire was the first instant because he just had a ridiculous 50, 50, 50. I, he was. I, 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 had a, I had a momentary lapse of hearing. Uh, yeah, and that, was, that was from the 04 playoffs. Mike wanted to get back at you. Yeah, there. There you go. Uh, Sammy's still a subconscious. Um, okay. Excel uh, Energy Center in Minnesota. Last one. Parise. Parise. Nope. Gabrick. Just kidding. Nope. <laughs> no Gabrick. No. No, that's a tough one. So in this case, so not so desert. Wipe out those guys. Hold uh, on. Clue. This guy was a career long wild player until this past offseason. West Waltz. <laughs> No, 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 no! It's so this is off. So this off. So this off season, I was almost about to say, um, who's the player? Nika. 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 Nika
Nico yeah. Koivu. Yeah. All right, guys. Great show. Uh, one Koivu had it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everybody. See you later, guys. You got to run. See you later. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, everybody, have a great weekend. Uh, actually, if we have any, we'll finish off the show. If there's anybody in the in the chat that has a question, um, give uh, give us a quick question here, um, guys. Uh, yeah, Ross, you just said something about one of the Bills' offensive linemen being out for the yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, I mean that that's a guy, that's a guy who's basically been going back between guard and tackle all year. So it's like. So now, now your former Jet player will be playing every day. Oh, that's right, Brian, Brian Winters. Listen, the Eagles are facing the, bad the, the Eagles are facing the same thing right now. Lane Johnson's already declared himself he's yeah. done for the he year. He said his ankle so. basically is exploded almost, is what he said. I mean, I don't know how he's played he, as much as he had this year. He's had no plant, no drive. He should have stayed no. out earlier. He should have. And now they're they're restructuring. I mean, I would think. I couldn't believe that Jason Peters is still playing left tackle. I thought they, no, no, they, just, they just moved him back to that. They moved that he he's going to be doing right guard. Right. They're, they're going to play Myelotta and see what they got of Myelotta yeah. now. Well, he's I, think, a guy. I mean, at least look, he's mobile. He's more mobile than Peters, so at least you got that. All right, couple questions here, and I'm on the show. Uh, Funky asks, would Sammy Vatnin take a cheap Shattenkirk like deal to go to Tampa after they get everything else done? I don't know if Tampa needs Tampa can't him. afford it. I think if yeah. they could afford it, he would. But maybe, I don't think they can afford it. Maybe, so. maybe another, maybe another com- contending team like right. a Colorado. But, but remember, Shattenkirk took the one point five after getting the buyout from the Rangers, so he was getting money. He could afford to take he, a one year deal. Originally, I thought when we were wait when when they were with within an hour of announcing that it was going to be Eric Gustafson. I thought potentially Vatnam would have been maybe heading to Philadelphia because right. of the familiarity yeah. with him playing in New Jersey, but that did not happen. So at this point now, I mean, I don't see Philadelphia certainly being in the mix for him you, at you, all. You wonder if Char doesn't come back to Boston, could Boston be potentially yeah. an option for him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, first of all, Vatnam's a righty, so there will be a lot of teams mm-hmm. out there that will be interested. Um, I think it's going to end up being a one-year deal because he's going to want to cash in on – a short season and not lock himself up to something longer and then be able to go out in free agency where there'll be more money next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't think he's signing a multi-year deal. Uh, best guess. They don't discount to Gabriel's date, David, just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. We don't talk about that name. No, that's a, we, that, that's a name. No, Mike. Yeah, no, I, I don't hear you. Ross. No. Uh, F a in the chat asked best guess on when the NHL comes back. I mean, go 15th. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm mid-month. Mid-month. I'm going to go a week later. I'm going to go uh, – originally they talked about like the 18th or so was what the, what the NBA talked about. Yeah. I'm going to say like the 18th or the 22nd, somewhere in that range. That that yeah. week seems to be likely. Has the NBA pushed off officially from nope, – uh, they're, they're starting December 20 they're, – they're starting December 22nd right now. Yeah, they, they Anthony, they can't move that date because they lose like five hundred million to a billion billion dollars if they move it back. Yeah, so they're if they have to, if they have to play inside a plastic. Yeah. And again, it's again with, with with less with with they don't have the same number of personnel no. right. to track that the NHL does in terms of playing personnel. Yeah, right. But you're still opening up arenas and everything else, so you still have to have the same infrastructure associated with behind the scenes. So yeah. Uh, Randy's asking me who will win the MVP this season. I'll say McKinnon because that's an easy. I'm going to go Ovechkin. Ovechkin, okay. Jan, uh, McDavid. 
Okay. I'm going to say McKinnon. I, okay. I thought he was in the in the running last year. I think he's going to be motivated for it, and I think he gets it. Um, F.A. asks, what does Toronto do for a goalie after this year? Well, if I had that answer, I'd, I, I'd be GM of the league. <laughs> David Ayers. I don't even know. Not David Ayers, please. <laughs> yeah, did you see my response? Oh, there goes that axe. I hear the grinding in the background. I can hear did, the did you, see my, did you see my answer to that yesterday? Nope. Yeah. Missed that one, so I'm glad. No, I missed that. it too. I'll, I'll send. I'll send it to you. Me too. Oh, 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 you talk about the response to the tweet from yesterday. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, I hold a gr- I hold a grudge very, very well, Andy. No, especially when the goalie's wearing blue pads, beating your team. <laughs> for Anthony Mangione, for Jan Levine, for Russ Cohen, and for the departed Kevin Allen, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching the Hockey Buzzcast. And remember, without the buzz... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.